Right, let me invite Andy up. Um, and we're going to be, Andy and I are going to be having a um, conversation this morning. You might, many of you might know Andy, um, some of you might not know Andy. Andy's been around for, um, around YCC for a few years. Um, he's led a church um, himself, um, obviously Andy, and, um, and he's had quite a journey. Um, he's had quite a journey. And um, that journey has been, is, I mean, it's an incredible story. And you're going to be um, going to be sharing your story in more detail, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, um, an event, I, I think got, he's got on. He's got a mic. Yeah, sorry. Um, he's going to be sharing your story in more detail um, at an event at Elim soon. So when, yeah. when is that? Uh, 26th of April with um, CVM, Christian um, Vision for Men. So it's a men only event well, that is live streamed so so exclusive yeah yeah sorry um, but yeah if you have an opportunity to get along to that event I would really encourage you to go and listen um, to his story because it's quite an incredible story but we're gonna we're actually gonna touch on the more recent aspect end of that story but um so 2009 let me just kind of do a little bit of a 2009 you were um in a car accident yeah. went off the road car rolled, ended up upside down, and you're trapped in the car, and um, you've got some injuries, and you um, I think at this point you've already broken your back, but then you're trying to kick the windscreen out, yeah. and, um, and you hear your back snap yeah. completely, yeah. Um, and at which point you're then paralysed from the chest down. Yeah, from about here, you're yeah. sort of aware that I can't move anything other than my arms to get out of a car. Yeah. So you manage to get yourself out of the car, you drag yourself out, yeah, and then you're lying in the snow. Yeah, the car's upside down, so thankfully the back windows were wind down, so I was able to kind of pull myself out of the car and fall into like, it was like a ditch, but yeah. it was full of snow and it was still snowing. So that's quite a low point. Yeah, I've had better days, um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, it, it was pretty bad, but... You know, it's one of those pivotal moments that actually ended up being probably the best time of my life in, in many ways as well. So, do you it was want to a bit, bit sort of surreal in, in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the, the car had kind of totaled and, and I, I got out of that car in, in a bit of a panic and it was about five in the morning, so it was really quiet and the snow's still coming down and I'm laid there thinking, no one knows where I am um, this is awful, but I'm still alive. Um, and then I just felt this sense, and, and just this, it's hard to describe spiritual encounters, but it was this, you are a child of God. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. And I would say I had one of the best quiet times with God I'd ever had in my life, in that ditch, in the most precarious of situations. It was like, to know the value that, I think understanding for the first time not how, how amazing God was, I kind of could grasp that, I knew the theology around that. It was the sense of, no, this is your value to me yeah. as my child. Yeah. And it was like, I, it was just, it blew, blew my mind really. It, it was God said, I don't always have to take you out of situations to, for you to experience me. I visit you within a situation yeah. to, and then it doesn't matter what situation you're in, if I'm there, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting 
idea. I mean, one of the things that strikes me about the passage that I just read at the beginning from Isaiah 6, it starts with, you know, um, in the year that King Uzziah died. Yeah. And um, King Uzziah was king for 56 years, I think, yeah. of Israel. And so brought huge stability. He was a really strong king. And a country is shaken when the king dies, who's, you know, who's been the king your whole life. And there was a real shaking of Israel at that point. And I think, you know, for us, there's a real shaking in the nation at the moment. Um, I think we can all recognize that. And, um, and it was at that point that Isaiah has this vision, this incredible vision of God. And I think um, we think, I think, you know, we can fall into the trap of thinking our greatest moments with God come in our greatest moments. Um, but actually, I think the reality is our greatest moments with God often come in our weakest, in our, weakest, in our yeah. most terrible moments, in the, at the times when everything is being shaken. Yeah. And, then, and then we have these encounters with God. And I think that's certainly true in the story um, we're talking about here. But I think that's true for us um, too, as a nation. I think whilst everything is being shaken at the moment, mm. I think it's undoubtedly true that God is doing something quite incredible um, yeah. at the moment yeah. so um, and maybe we'll get a bit onto that so the fact you're here suggests you didn't die in the ditch that you were found yeah. um, but you were found in quite a bad way yeah. you've had quite a few years of various surgeries um, you know healing your back trying to sort your back out place it up and then it would break again 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 and so surgery after surgery after surgery and during one of those operations, um, if things weren't bad enough, then a shard of bone splits off um, your spine yeah. um, and and cuts through the... I'm going to get yeah. this wrong no, now. No, that's fine. You go you, for it. I, so, I'm just watching you struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watch me struggle. So it cuts through, because I'm no, I'm, no, I'm no doctor, but there's a... Um, there's, no, there's a, this, there's a, there's like a, a sack, isn't yeah, it? around the spinal cord. There's fluid, and it goes up around the brain. It's like a high-pressured system. And as as she'd cut the bone, a piece sheared off and, and tore into that. So the the spinal fluid, so some of the pressure's out gone, and the and pressure drops. And so, I mean, and is that painful at all? Is it, that... It's. I mean, anyone that has had a lumbar puncture, they just put in a needle in that fluid will make you ill, let alone tear in it. And, and so. Yeah, they call them spinal headaches, but that's the most patronising word you can think of. It's, it's crippling pain that just, they make you lie down for weeks just to try and stabilise it. So, right. yeah, okay. and they said there was no fixing it. So that was there because, it, it, so they couldn't fix that? No, it was too big and too awkward with all the metal work to actually access that without then... So these crippling headaches permanently, are yeah. per um, like for life? Yeah, they're unbelievable. I mean, there's just no pain to describe it, and I've had a few. Yeah. So not only so, are you, I mean, from what I understand, the doctors were amazed that you got to a point where you could walk. Yeah, yeah. And then now you've got this crippling headaches. These, right. these crippling headaches and this. Um, yeah, and it's not just the, on the brain. It's not just the headaches. It's the the, the medication needed to to stabilise the the fluid. It, and the impact on the brain yeah. is is more as bad, just because of the mind-numbing um, way that the medicine affects you. So, yeah. in, in a way, one's as bad as the other, and together it just makes yes. yeah, it's not nice. So it's been a rough time. Yeah. And yet here so you that, are today. Yeah. 
looking pretty well. Thank so you. what happened? Um, yeah, very succinct. Um, yeah, it, it's been one of those journeys where all along you, you think um, your kind of faith and theology is such that you know what God can do, and you can, but when the reality keeps hitting, you go, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but, and, and there's a reality that kind of kicks into that, and, and it really tests, tests your faith, um, and then you realise actually how weak your faith is, because you think, oh, I should be able to cope with this better. Um, but I got to the point where the, these headaches were affecting me so much that I, I was kind of incapacitated at home, really, and... Um, but feeling so, after having such a busy ministry and running a church and doing all this stuff for God, it was like, how can you take me out of this? Because I, I just got nothing to do and I'm left with this stuff. Um, and I'm quite, I have a long association with LL Ministries right. um, yeah. over many years. And How many people have heard of LL Ministries? Okay, quite yeah. a few. Yeah. So it's kind of like you go there and you can, I mean, they do holidays and stuff, but also they do retreats. They yeah, do they've got about... Healing sessions, yeah, they do counselling. Yeah, they've they got do, places they all, all over the world and yeah. it's long-term rehab and yeah. healing and all sorts of um, issues and stuff. And, and so I'd been invited up on a leader's um, kind of retreat in Scotland. And, but as the time got nearer, I got the pain was so much in my head that they were saying even flying in with that kind of right. brain condition, the pressure in the cabin yes. will just get so intense that really isn't the wisest thing. And, and so it was like everything was stopping me from, yeah. from going to Scotland. And yet within me and Lou, we kind of knew, it was almost like God was saying, you need to be there. Yeah, great. Um, so so I, I went up. So you went? Went to Scotland. And again, I didn't go for healing or anything like that. I went... Um, actually to to work with actually yeah. working with other people yeah. so sitting in in the worship session and, and the guy um, stops praying and says I want to pray for someone with a headache and I'm thinking oh, yeah that's the patronising um, <laughs> I think no, we're learning never, never talk to him about headaches I think no, we're getting that don't go there um, so and it's like as he starts praying, I start losing. Con- I, I'm in such a fog with this medication and the pain in my head, and you get tinnitus really loud as well. And it's just like living in another world to everyone else. And th- it was like as he was praying, this it was like a metal band being tightened around my head, and the pressure's getting worse, and I'm losing vision as well. And he's going, it's like someone's having their head pulled off. It's like it need- and I'm thinking. Yeah, that's about sums it up, you know. I wish this person would hurry up and get, you know. And, and, and as he prayed, I kind of lost the talent of what he was saying because I had to ask him after what he said. Um, and it just went like that. And, and I thought, oh, my life. It's like what, what struck me wasn't just the pain had gone because that could come and go. But what couldn't come and go was the effects of that medication because you lived in such a fog and suddenly yeah. there was like, like now it was like clear clarity yeah. and it was like, it took me about 48 hours before I actually believed that right. and text Lou I think and said, I think I might have been healed. Wow. <laughs> it's uh, quite a text we have to send. Uh, so... I mean, okay, you've, you mean you've had some horrific years, but now you're healed, yeah. you're, you're walking, you're in a, you know, 
life's great, right? So, I mean, strength to strength from there. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, it, it, you know, after, after that physical healing actually came um, a spiritual journey that was even more profound to me and, and kind of put that into a different perspective. And I came home from Scotland, I, I bouncing off the walls, you know, yeah. it was like, wow, God's amazing, right. he's well, yeah. you know, this is like, yeah. great. But then, I'm thinking, yeah, but what for? What, what, did you, what, what was all this for? You know, are you yeah. going to now restore me back to give me a new yeah. pastor? Are you going to, yeah. uh, you know, you said you'd do something new, but I, I and, and in the end, actually, you start going down and down and down because it's like when you're ill, you fight every day to survive. And when suddenly this, the fight's not there, it's like, well, what purpose is there to get up if I have no ministry? Yeah. Yeah. And my health is better. I mean, I'm, I'm still disabled, but I'm not, so preoccupied with that. Yeah. So what's the point? Yeah. And, and actually, it became one of the lowest points. Right. Uh, and again, there's the whole guilt thing of, yeah, but God's done this and God's done that. It's like, yeah, but still human. I still need, yeah. you know, I still need to belong. I need purpose. I need reasons. Yeah. yeah. And God's going all the time, yeah, we've been here before, I think, you know, <laughs> and, and you're, you're on this journey with him. It's, it's amazing. And I think, you know, very often, um, you know, listen to your story, I find it really really inspiring and it, and it links to um, some other stories so I think that very often we can kind of fall into the trap can't we of thinking that God's going to heal us so to take us back to where we were God's going to save us to restore us to what we what previously were to heal us to restore us to what we previously were to do what we previously or, or to do the things that we're pretty convinced are the things that we're supposed to be doing or what God yeah. wants to doing and, and actually um, God never heals us or saves us to take us back God yeah. always heals us and saves us to take us forward, forward. into yeah. the new. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I often, you know, listen to your story, it reminds me of the whole thing around the Israelites, you know, they're freed. God saves them geographically yeah. from Egypt, but then he needs to save them spiritually, socially, he needs to teach them how to live in their new identity. Yeah. He saves, he gets them out of Egypt, but then he needs to get Egypt out of them, like, because the old can, can like, becomes rooted in us. And, um, and yeah, so God saves us to move us forward, not to take us back. Yeah, and there was this pull in new Egypt identity. wasn't there to kind yeah. of go, oh, well, let's just go back, it's difficult, let's just go back. Um, yeah, because they they'd grown up with this idea of, we wander in the wilderness, that yeah. our heritage is slaves, that, yeah. that's what we are, and we, we wander around in this space, that's what we've kind yes. of grown up with, and God's going, yeah, well, I've got yeah. something new for you. Yeah. And again, well, actually... We're, is that our identity? Our identity is to be slaves and nomads. And God said, yeah. no, I've, I've got a solid place for you and I've got a new identity and a new yeah. purpose. We're yeah. just going to far out see this, but you yeah. need to be brave and walk into it. Yeah, step into it. And I think that's some of, um, you know, I was saying before that, I think some of where we feel like we are as a church is this, um, is this threshold, you know, like you might have heard me say over the last few weeks, this whole idea of, you know, how we've operated, what we've been doing, where we've been at, has been great to get us here. Yeah. But it's not going to get us into the, like, God the wants to take bit. us into the new. Yeah. God wants to move us forward. And so things have to change. And that's quite a scary thing, yeah. particularly when things look good. Changing when things look good is quite a risky thing yeah. to do. And that's and the memorial is, stones, isn't it? Of going back and going, yeah. actually, yeah. 
it was good at that point. Yeah. And so let's go back and worship at the memorial stones yeah. that we set up. Yeah. That was great, wasn't that it? Was so let's great. go and celebrate so that let's moment. go back there and reminisce yeah. and actually got yeah. to go, no, you're missing the fact I'm making yeah. all things new. Yeah. We're, we're on a journey. And I feel like maybe as a church, the, the, you know, we're at this point of stepping into the new. You know, in, in Joshua, we see this story, don't we, where um, God brings them to the edge of the promised land. And he says, right, we're going to cross the Jordan now. Yeah. And as they step foot, but they have to step foot in it first. But as they step foot in the river, then the river divides yeah. and they cross. And then they come to this camp, Gilgal, and God's saying, now you're going to consecrate yeah. yourselves. And, um, and there's this idea, isn't there, like, you know, how you operated, the whole manner, quail, the whole, you know, how you operated in the wilderness was great for them. Yeah. But I'm bringing you into a new fullness. I'm bringing you into a new, things you've never dreamed of, like things you've never, you can't believe would be possible for you. Yeah. And that God always brings us into the new. Um, do you have any thoughts yeah, on that? And I, I think no, it's interesting. The manner stops when they take those steps, doesn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely. like God's provision from there was, I think it would have carried on if they'd wanted to. He's yeah. like a father. He's not going to go, well, you've gone that way. He's so tough. Yeah. He's a father and he stays with his people, but he's actually don't miss the blessing. And I, I love the fact that they're called to consecrate themselves yeah. the night before they cross the Jordan. And it's like, consecrate yourself because I'm going to do amazing things tomorrow. Yeah. And it's not like um, you're going to do amazing things, which I think sometimes we think, well, God's going to do amazing things through me, or you're going to do amazing things in my name. It's no, consecrate yourself, because tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things. And it's like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm God. I do amazing things. It's whether you want to come and be a part of it. And, and it's not consecrate yourself in like, this is a formula, consecrate yourself and then as a result I would do yeah. amazing things. It's like, consecrate yourself because I'm going to do amazing things and you need to be yeah. ready. Yeah. Because you don't want to be the one in camp like we find with Achan later on going, well actually I've got all this silver buried under my tent yeah. and I didn't follow God. And actually, yeah. God's coming anyway and God's going to do the stuff and what in us is not going to... Yeah. And, and you find that, I know we were talking about those points in your life when you face death, of which I've had a few now. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's just, you know, yeah. you're talking different terms. Yeah. But it just seems flippant, but then they're not. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's been a but few. But you have. You've had yeah, a few there's yeah. been about six or seven now. Yeah. And, and, but the ones when I've been a child of God have been very profound in a sense of, there's no fear other than the fact I'm possibly going to meet my maker and have to account for my ministry, my family, my, my actions as a father, as a yeah. husband, as a leader, yeah. and as a child of God. Yeah. And that's the holy fear of, I hope I've run my race. Right. What does it look like to stand um, before a holy God? And I think, you know, it's, we, we focus a lot, don't we, on what it's like to stand before a loving God, and that's very warm and welcoming and like, yeah. oh my goodness, God loves me and that's incredible and that's an incredible feeling. I think we focus less on what's it like to stand before a holy God. And there's this, um, you know, the whole thing, like you know, you just said in Joshua, it says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, um, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. God isn't going, if you consecrate yourselves, then I'll do amazing yeah. things. He's saying, consecrate yourself because tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things. So the consecration bit isn't a conditional part. It's a 
Yeah. Look, I'm going to do something amazing. Yeah. You might want to get yourselves ready for this. Like, because, you know, if there's unholiness in you, if there's um, weakness in you, if there's a... If there's, you know, if you've allowed bad habits to creep in, if you've allowed bad attitudes to creep in, um, if you've allowed cynicism or hate or unforgiveness to creep in, that is not going to survive what I'm about to do. No. Like, because actually I'm going to come really close. I'm going to do something new. I'm doing it anyway. The question isn't whether I'm going to do it. Yeah. The question is whether you're going to be ready for it or whether that's going to be an uncomfortable experience for you or an experience of real joy for you. And I feel like that's some of where we... I feel like it's some of where we are as a church. A lot of the words that are coming through, um, we had words this week coming through. And I, I just want a little aside here, but it is so encouraging to see the increase, the acceleration of prophetic words coming through from the congregation. And when, and when they come in, they, they help shapers and formers and um, we, you know, we listen to them and, and, and make sense of them. And I think um, there's a word coming this week about you know, don't settle for little things. You know, when you like, ask for it all. Like, ask like we're at a moment at the moment where we just ask for it. Like, there is a we are stepping into a real moment of blessing. Don't ask for two or three people to be saved. Ask for everyone you can think of. Yeah. Don't ask for um, two or three people to be healed. Ask for everyone you can think of. Like, just ask yeah. because God is about to do something incredible, and. And the question isn't whether God's going to do it. The question is, are we going to be ready for it? And I think there's a calling on us to consecrate ourselves, to bring ourselves to a deeper sense of intimacy with God, to prepare ourselves a deeper holiness, um, a deeper walk of discipleship, um, a deeper intensity to our faith um, as we step into it. And you talked before, um, when you were praying about this, you talked about um, Hebrews, I think Hebrews 12, 12 yeah. and it talks about, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Yeah. And again, there's that idea of we're worshipping a God that cannot be shaken in a world that is being shaken at the moment. And I think one of the things that we can recognise is everything is being shaken. Every, you know, not just our politics, but our um, our media and our financial systems and capitalism itself, and like, all the things that we've built trust in, are being shaken at the moment. And yet here we are coming before a God who cannot be shaken. But He's saying, don't just come flippantly, don't no. come casually, come with awe, come with wonder, prepare yourselves. Because God is a consuming fire. What, yeah. And what do you yeah, think that I, consuming fire thing is about? I, I, think, um, I think there's a number of things that are kind of clear. In the, in the language there, it's almost like it, it's sacrificial language. It's the fire that comes down and, and consumes the sacrifice in its entirety. I mean, Elijah is a great example of that. But in a way then, if God is a consuming sacrifice, we are that sacrifice in terms not of flippant but we are God we are his you know Jesus has made the ultimate sacrifice and we are within his body we are his expression and and Christ within us and and there's this sense of the holy dwells within us Mm. and it's like we're host to the holy and I love that about Isaiah seeing Mm. seeing what we possess and I think often, especially with holy, 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 it's not 
holy plus holy plus holy is the only way they have to emphasize it. So it's holy times holy times holy. And it's one of the few places in scripture where you get this emphasis. I think it's one more in Jeremiah where God, yeah. God is in his temple, God is in his temple, God is in his temple. It's yeah. that, you know, they couldn't use bold italics with yeah. great pretty letters <laughs> like we were, but like yeah. holy times holy times holy. Yeah. And this is the God we say we love, we follow and yeah. indwells within us. So when I reach out my hand in the name of Jesus, it's in the holiness yeah. of God. And, and then, yeah. does that make and sense? Absolutely. Like, well, and I think, we're consumed by yeah, it. <laughs> that's right. And I think that that, that, you know, that holiness is this idea. I think we kind of think that, oh, well, you know, grace means I just get away. Like, you know, and, we, and we're children of grace. Like, we, you know, yeah. we're not under the law. So, you know, there isn't condemnation. However, there are what discipleship looks like to live, to be those image bearers of Christ, to carry the spirit, to carry that, to be the embodiment of um, this holy God, to come before him is, you know, actually requires the, the closer God wants us to draw to him. Um, you know, what Isaiah sees at this time of real national shaking is this incredibly clear vision of who God is. And his response is, oh my goodness, yeah. um, woe is me. And actually, the, it's not... It's not eloquent. The, the, the word for woe is actually just a cry. It's like, ah, that's actually what they've written. And, like, that's actually what the Hebrew says. It's kind of, ah. Like, no. it's, not, it's not a word, kind of this eloquent word of, oh, woe no. is me. This isn't Shakespeare writing. This is like, this is just Isaiah, like, crying out. And they, they've tried to ca- encapsulate that in the Hebrew. Kind of, oh, my goodness. Like, I am nothing. Like, oh, my, look how sinful I am. Because actually, when we come in face-to-face with God, we see God as he is, and then we see us as we are. Yeah. And, and what Isaiah is presented with is this, oh my goodness, I can't bear this holiness. And what God does, what the seraphim does, is actually bring this burning coal to his lips. And I think if any, anyone approached me with a burning coal, I'd probably, probably pull back, I think. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if I'd move too. I think I'd move back. If but, um, punch like it's not, a, it's not <laughs> something kind of going, oh, come on, bring those burning yeah. coals to my lips. It's yeah. a, like, it's a, this is a place of real sort of, um, yeah. like, you know, getting out there yeah. of, of restoration, of, of consecration, where there's this, like, holiness that's being, and then and as this coal touches his lips, it says, now your sins are gone. Like, you can stand in the presence of this holy God. Yeah. freely, openly, and now, now you're in that place, who am I going to send? Yeah. And Isaiah sent me, I'm, yeah. I'm there. Yeah. And, and that, I think, is what God is calling us to. And, um, you know, consecration isn't a very popular, it's not, a very, it's not something we talk about a lot, it's not a very popular thing, you know, how, what that looked like for the Israelites was circumcision as they went into the new, um, don't worry, don't need to leave, we're not... <laughs> I was proposing that this morning. But, there's, um, but I think there is a point. You know, we have communion set out here. Um, and communion represents the sacrifice that Jesus made. Mm-hmm. The, the body is, the bread is his body, which is broken. But it's also a symbol of that we do this together. The people of Israel did this together. This wasn't a collection yeah. of individuals. This was a community that said, we consecrate ourselves because God is going to do something great. Yeah. And we 
are going to be ready for it. We're going to step into. You know, Jericho stood before them. Jericho hadn't fallen at this point. Jericho stood before them. This city that they were terrified of. And yet they came and said, okay, God, if you say you're going to do great things, we're going to believe that. And we're going to consecrate ourselves for that. And I think as we, um, as maybe if the musicians could come up, that would be great. And, and I'd love us to take communion um, together. But I'd love a few things to happen. We've got ta- two tables at the front, there's a table at the back. Um, as we take communion, let it be a moment of consecration. Let it be a moment of, okay, God, where has the culture got into me? Where's Egypt got into me? Where are the, what are the habits that I've allowed to develop that actually you're not comfortable with or aren't going to survive your consuming fire as you draw us closer to you? What are those things? Let this be a moment of consecration for us. But the other thing that I would love us to do, and you might want to do this before you take communion or you might want to do this after you take communion. Um, I feel like it'd be great for us to pray for some people and I particularly feel there might be some of you who've listened to Andy's story and just gone I'd love him to pray for me like I want there's some healing that I need or there's some I need to encounter God and I just feel so far away Mm. I just feel so like I'm shouting into this black hole like I don't know where God is Mm. and I want to encounter him and we'd love to pray with you this morning because I profoundly believe that God is about to do something that we've never seen. I profoundly believe that we are on the, God is about to do a new thing tomorrow Mm. and he calls us to consecrate ourselves today to be ready for that. So I think there's something in that all as well about when the Israelites crossed over, it wasn't some of you make, make the choice. Some of you cross, some of you don't cross. I don't mind. Or even those that were going to stay camped on the other side of the Jordan. It was like, no, we all cross. We all cross as a community because our strength is in community. Yeah. And we are God's people, not God's persons. Or we are. A, and, and so I think for some, it's like, well, I feel on the borders of the I don't feel part and it's like no we all cross as one there's unity in fellowship and community so I think what we need to do is um, why don't we stand and we'll pray and we'll worship because coming before a God of consuming fires let's be people who cry out holy 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 Um, and then then come as groups gather round the tables and take communion together. Pray for each other. Um, and if you particularly want prayer, if, you're, if you have been particularly feeling this, where is God? I just don't know where he is. Or there's some healing that you're just going, I have waited too long for this. I've started to, you know, whilst I believe in God and I believe that he can heal, I just don't really believe he's going to heal me. Um, I think it'd be great for Andy to pray um, for those people this morning as well. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll pray, we'll stand, we'll pray, and then Andy and I'll move down here and then we can start taking communion together.
the Lord as a community. We want to thank you for all the ways in which you've blessed us, all the ways in which you've met with us, all the, all the points in our stories, all the stones we've been able to build, all the memories that we have, all the moments that we've shared, all the healings that we've seen, all the miracles that we've experienced, all the moments of intimacy that we've engaged with and been part of and seen. But Lord, we stand now as a community saying, we believe that you're about to do a new thing. And so we come before you and we want to consecrate ourselves before you. We're in preparation for what it is you're going to do, whether we're ready or not. So Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for ever we've not looked like you. Forgive us for ever we've not radiated with your love. Forgive us for whatever we've been judgmental, wherever we've allowed Egypt to creep in, wherever we've allowed not enough to creep in, wherever we've allowed um, fear to creep in, wherever we've allowed shame to take hold, wherever we've allowed um, unforgiveness to take root. Lord, we want to be people that look like you. We want to be a community that radiates you. And so we come before you in repentance now. We come before you aware of our shortcomings and our failures, aware of our weakness and our shame. But we come before you now asking you to cleanse, asking you to purge, asking you to forgive, asking you to restore, asking you to consecrate. Lord, let your spirit come. Lord, let your miracles flow, let your power flow, let healings flow, that people, we want to see people in the streets coming to know you, people in our workplaces and our schools and colleges. We want to see, we want to see a revival in this place, and not just of people who believe, but a revival of um, families and communities that love each other and prefer each other, a revival of people who are healed. We want to see our hospitals empty. We want to see, we want to be a town of innovation and celebration. We want to be a town where nobody is left behind and nobody is forgotten and nobody is silenced. Nobody lives in fear. Where all are welcome and all know you. So we come before you, Lord. Amen.